Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary answered, Let it be unto me as you have said. I am your servant. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is living. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word is that which we need. Precious God, as, as your word goes out this morning, I pray that you would quiet our hearts. You speak through your word, through circumstances, through the church, to talk to us, Lord, about what it is that you would have for us, each one of us personally. You are a personal God who relates to each one of us in a personal way. And so, Father, would you take the word of God and would you cause it to intersect with your will in our lives? And Lord, what we hear today, I pray that we would put into action right away. To you belongs the glory and the honor. Come, anoint your servant and empower him to speak your word and your word alone. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You ever wonder about the way in which God does things. I mean, this story is case in point. A 15-year-old girl, 13 to 15 years old, is about the age of Mary at this time. This was the age in which girls were betrothed. Now, I don't, this is no diss on any of the girls who are 13 to 16 to 17 to 18 years old. But honestly, I mean, as a father, as a father, would I have given the keys of my car to my daughter, even when we lived in eastern Montana where there weren't very many cars, would I have given the car to my daughter and said, here, go ahead and just drive? Not in your life. I mean, I hardly trusted her with other things. And yet God in his wisdom and his sovereignty entrusts the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into the womb of a 13 to a 15-year-old girl. Does that make sense to anybody else? Now, God's ways are not our ways, are they? Case in point, another one. 1949, a missionary's wife by the name of Ted and Ruth Andrinoff went to Laos. Ted and Ruth were, were very, very uh, young and green missionaries. And in their first years, they were spending that time learning the Laotian language. The field there decided that they were going to send Ted and Ruth Andrinoff to the northern part of Laos, to the province of Sinquang. And Sinquang is where the Hmong people are at. And there are a lot of Hmong that are in, in China. And they were sent up to the Hmong people in, in Sinquang. And Ted Andrinoff sent back word saying to the field director, Ed Wolf, I need help. And he said, There's, the God is doing something here. And he said, I need help. And so he said, I have nobody from the Bible school except one Kamu. The Kamu are another tribe from Laos. 
and he, and he said, I only have one student that I can send up from the Bible school, and he's a first-year Bible school student, and he isn't even from that tribe. He said, I, I, I don't know what kind of good they're going to do, but he said, I'll, I'll send him up to you. So they sent my king up to Ted Enderoff, where he was in the Sinkwang province. What my king didn't know was that the home that they put him in, he couldn't find any home in the village where they were sent to. The only home that he could find that anyone would rent to him was a home that everybody said was haunted. And so that first night, of course, my king and his wife, they heard things, and he said they got down on their knees and they began to pray, and he said they were able to sleep, and they didn't hear the noises after that. Little did my king and Ted Andreoff know that they were being watched. There was a man by the name of Buryatau. Buryatau was the strongest and was the most powerful of all of the shamans in Sinkhuang province, among all of the Hmong, highly, highly respected. And he was watching, Buryatau was watching Nai King and Ted Andreoff. And Buryatau's cousin came back. He was, he was with the military. And he came back to Buryatau's home. And his name was Zhu Song. And Zhu Song's wife was there in the house with Buya. And she was dying. And when she came back, Buya told Zhu Song, he said, your wife is dying. And he said, I have tried everything that I know to heal her. And he said, nothing works. He said, she's going to die. But he said, I've been watching. I've been watching this white man and a kamoo, and they've been talking about this Huatai Yesu, Jesus Christ. And he said, maybe we should go over there and talk to them. And so Buya went over and he talked to, to Nai King and he said, Nai King, he said, I want to hear about Huatai Yesu. And so he, Nai King went and got Ted Andrew. Now imagine this. First year, brand new missionary to Laos, can barely speak Lao. And he's working with people who speak Hmong. And you've got another guy, Nai King, who's Kamu. He's not the same tribe. And their language is totally different from Hmong. What on earth is God thinking? And so they, they began to share and they began to talk about Huatai Yesu. They began to talk about Jesus Christ. And Buya Tao and, and Jasu, they gave their lives to Christ right there. And God instantly healed Jusung's wife. And as a result, as a result of this, that began what we call the Hmong people movement. The Hmong began to receive Christ in droves. Whole families, whole people groups, they would sit down and they would talk about the claims of Christ. And whole family groups began to burn all of, all of their fetishes. Two days later, Ted Andrianoff left for, for uh, field forum, for field conference. He had to go into Vietnam. That was the very start of the monsoon rain season. And for six months, they couldn't go back into Laos because the roads were impassable. What would they find when they left there? I mean, it was a brand new group of Christians that they weren't able to follow up and disciple. And when they got back, when they got back to Sinkwang province, over 2,000 people had burned their fetishes and had chosen to follow Christ. And you think about it, with a, with a first-year Bible college student and with a green missionary who can hardly speak the language, God did what only God could do. It. That began That began what we call the Hmong people movement, where, that, where the Hmong came to Christ in droves. And you think about it, what can God do through ordinary lives? I mean, 
Anyone, anyone here in this room fit that category of just an ordinary life? Maybe God has blessed you. Maybe God hasn't blessed you. But at the end of the day, blood still comes through your veins, and you are just an ordinary person in the eyes of God, aren't you? But God loves to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things through them. But in order for that to happen, it will require faith on our part, won't it? Look at this. Here, here's, here's an invitation. It says, one of the things that we, we need when God enters our life is faith. Faith when God turns our, our world upside down. Was Mary's world turned upside down? Think about it. She's living life. She's, she's looking forward to being married. She's been betrothed. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week. But in the eyes of the people, she's married. She was married. The only thing that needed to happen yet was the consummation of that marriage. Joseph, her husband, would have come to her and would have said these words. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. You ever heard those words after that? Those are the words that Jesus said in John 14. Those were the words of the bridegroom to his future bride. And Joseph would have already said this to Mary. Mary's looking forward to a life of just marrying Joseph. And then God steps into his life. And God turned her life upside down. Hear this. We need to give room in our lives for God to step in and do what he wants to do. Is there room, is there margin in your life? Because some of us, we have our lives so regimented. Is there room in your life for God to do what God wants to do in his life? Let, let me turn the heat up just a little bit more. Is there room in your kid's life for God to do what God wants to do. Can God step in at any time and say, um, I know what you want. I know the plans that you have. But these are my plans. And I would like to invite you. This is so huge. This is so huge. Mary was invited to join God. It says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, God invited Mary into what it was that he was already doing. See, when God makes an invitation in our lives, when God says, I would like you to join me in what it is that I'm already doing, God, that's an invitation. And God was already at work behind the scenes in Mary's life. Over 2,000 years, God had been at work. 400 years between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, where it says, God is silent. Please hear this. Don't equate the silence of God in your life with the inactivity of God in your life. You may be saying, I'm not hearing anything from God. God does some of his best work in the dark. And in the quietness of our life, don't equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God. Was God at work? In a powerful way. Three things come into motion before Christ comes on the earth. On the, earth. the first one is this, the Greek language. When Jesus Christ comes into the world, there is a language that, that goes across all of the countries, and it is the Greek language. On top of this, there's a second thing. There is what we call the peace of Rome. There was peace throughout the Roman Empire. The third thing is, there was a system of roads that went through roads that are still there today that allowed for God. And it says, when the time had fully come, when everything was set, God sent his son into the world, God, and God invited Mary 
to be part of what it was that he was doing. And I think about that. And, I, and you say, well, but God isn't inviting me to join him in anything that he's already doing. Oh, really? Oh, really? Hear this. Romans 3.10 says this. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. So, when somebody comes up to you and they ask you, hey, um, would, would, would you pray for me? I know you're a Christian and I know you do the church stuff. Would, would, would you pray for me on this? Hello? That's God saying, ding, 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 ding. I'm working in this person's life because would they ask that on their own or would they say something like, hey, I hear you're going to this church. I got questions about God. When somebody says things like that, when they're talking about prayer, when they're talking about God, when they ask questions about the Bible, remember that verse 3.10, Romans 3.10. On our own, would we seek that out? We wouldn't. So when you hear that, your antenna should go up and you should say, well, God is at work here. One of the things I'll be very clear with you at, at, from the very onset in the church, I, sent, I stand in the back prior to the service because I'm looking for new people. My antenna go up because I'm saying, God has brought them here for a purpose. And I want to make sure that as soon as they walk through the doors of this church, they know that they're welcome. And when you hear God, God working around you, that is your invitation to join him. Now, I think about Mary. Would it take faith for Mary to, to follow and do what it was that, that God was asking? It would take great faith. It would take great faith because... And you know, and I think about this as well. God invites us to join him in what he was doing. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That is the understatement of the century. God, what are you, what are you doing here? What do, you, what do you mean? And so the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You want to look at something, maybe this afternoon, maybe sometime this week. Look at all of the, the stories around the birth of Christ. And how many times this phrase comes up, do not be afraid. It comes up over, you know where it shows up again in huge measure? After Christ resurrects from the dead. You find that same phrase. 86 times in the Bible, 86 times in the Old Testament alone, God says, do not be afraid. And, and you're going to hear this drummed in again and again in Hebrew whenever they want something to, want you to remember something. They repeat it over and over and over. So God goes out of his way to say, don't be afraid. Listen to the scriptures of what, of what God says in his word. He says in, in Isaiah chapter 43, he says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And he says, When you pass through the waters, what does it say? I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I don't know what we walk through right now. I don't know what kind of stuff you carried in. For some of us, we carry things in that our shoulders were never meant to carry. And God says, cast all your anxiety upon him. because he, Why? Because he cares. Because he cares. This theme comes up again and again and again. Would Mary be a little bit afraid of, of what it was that she just heard? Yeah. And we're going to talk about that, that in a second. The next thing that we see with Mary is... Uh, uh, excuse me, I'm going to go on ahead here. And God says, so do not fear for I'm with you. 
not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hands. The peace of God in the midst of those times. Mary asked the question, how will this be? How will this be since I am a virgin? You know, this, the next thing that we need is, is faith. Sorry about this. I'm, you know, I'm just going to go off of this because this is not going with where I'm, with where I'm going. Sorry, guys. Um, we'll just go ahead and, and can the, the PowerPoint for this week. I'm sorry, that's, that's my fault, and I, I beg your uh, forgiveness on that. But faith, when we, when we have doubts, did, did Mary have doubts? Did she have every reason to doubt as she walked through this time? She did, didn't she? she I mean, how is this going to happen? How, how is God going to do this? And whenever God calls us to do something, whenever God calls us to do something, or does God ever call us to do something that's beyond our ability to do, I hear this all the time. God will never give you more than what you can handle. Is that the truth? No, it's not. Does God give us stuff that we can't handle on our own? All the time. Why? So that when, God, when it happens, we know this is something that only God could have done. Was God inviting Mary into something that only he could do? See, when God invites you into what it is that he's already doing, it require faith, won't it, to join God in what it is that he's already doing. Because so many times we have our own agendas, we have our own plans in mind. And God asks us to set our agenda aside to do what it is that he's calling us to do. He invites us. And there's doubt, but in the midst of those times, we need faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In whose power does God call us to be strong in? In ours? See, that's the problem. Is when we hear from God, and we know that it's God that's speaking to us, and then we say, but, but, but God, that, that's not possible. Yeah, it's not possible. That's why I invite you to join me in what I'm already doing. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Next verse, please. And in his incomparably great power for us who believe. Who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. And verse 3 and 20. Now to him who is able, look at this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. When God calls us to do something, when God invites us to do something, it's natural to doubt but don't stay there. Because when you doubt, doubt can paralyze you, can't you? Can it? You really can. Because doubt says, I can't do this. God never invites us to do something in our own strength and in our own power. Amen? We got people leaving here to go to the mission field in a couple of months. God never called you guys to do it in your own strength and in your own power. God's called it to do in his strength. and So that when God shows up, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. And you go back and you say, only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. And that's what God desires. He said he will not share his glory for another. Whenever God invites us to join him in what he's doing, it will always be God-sized. Whenever God invites us to, to join him in what he's already doing, it will always be God-sized. Was this a God-sized assignment for Mary? You know, see, here's the thing that you need to ask yourself the question is, what is it that God is asking? 
that unless he shows up, it's absolutely going to fall flat on its face. Is that a faith stretcher? Think about Elijah on, the Mount, on Mount Carmel. You got the prophets of Baal over here, 450 prophets of Baal over here. You got the prophets of Asher over here, 450 over here. You got probably one of the most evil kings in Israel's history by the name of Ahab. And Elijah stands before the people and he says, How long will you waver between two opinions? Is God God or is Baal God? And what did they say? Nothing. Nothing. And Elijah says, okay, we're going to see today who's God. <laughs> I don't know about you, that's a, that is a faith stretcher. So what does he do? He says, okay, let's make up two, two altars over here. You guys go first. And he says, I'll let you guys call on, God, on your God. And if he answers, he says, the one who answers by fire, he's God. Why did Elijah say that? Because Baal was the god of fire. He was the god of fire. He says, the god who answers by fire. And all day long they spend crying out and cutting themselves and calling out to Baal. And Elijah kind of taunts them at one place. He says, well, maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's relieving himself. You know. And then finally he says, enough. Enough. And he builds the altar. And I don't know where he gets the water. It's a time of, of drought. And he says, Pour the water over the altar. He says, do it again. Do it again until the whole thing was lit up. And he prays, and what happens? God not only answers with fire, but the, the, the altar and everything is gone. Was that a God-sized assignment? Was Elijah, God telling Elijah, step out of the way. I'm going to do what only I can do. Whenever God gives you an assignment, it'll be God-sized. So what is it that God would be asking of you? For some of us, for some of it, it's the courage to simply say to the people around us, to talk to them about what it is that God's already doing in their life. Well, the third, just, just a, a quick illustration. Does God have the ability to do what he said he's going to do? I'm baiting you. Prophecy. I love this. There are, there are about 70 different prophecies made about Jesus Christ and about his birth. How many of them came true? All of them. Do you know what the chances, some of you are a little bit higher brow than I are and better at math. You know what the chances are of just eight of those prophecies coming true? Eight of those prophecies coming true. Over the period of time which the first prophecies are given when? We studied this in our Sunday school lesson. The first prophecy of Christ is Genesis chapter 3.15. Prophecies such as he would be born... He would be born in Bethlehem. He would come out of the seed of Judah. He would come as a, as a descendant of David. You know what the chances of just, just eight of those prophecies coming true in, in one person in the life of Christ? It is 10 to the 17th power. That's, what, that's 10 with 17 zeros following after that. You say, I, I, I don't understand that number. Let me help you understand this a little bit easier. When I tell this illustration in the United States, we talk about the state of Texas. Well, for most of us, we, we don't know the size of the state of Texas. Uh, the size of the state of Texas, put the state of Texas over the top of the southern part of Thailand, all of Laos, all of Vietnam, and all of Cambodia. That's the size of the state of Texas in the United States. Now take that, that state of Texas and cover it 
for, for us in Hong Kong, take a, uh, a $5 piece, a $5 coin. You take that $5 coin and you paint it red. You take the areas of southern Thailand, all of Vietnam, all of Laos, all of Cambodia, and you cover them to a depth of two feet with all of the $5 coins. And somewhere along the line, you have buried that one red $5 coin. And you blindfold somebody now. I take Mark Glidden, I blindfold him, and I send him out. And I say, walk as long as you want. But at some point, Mark, reach your hand down into those $5 coins. The chances of Mark finding that one red $5 piece are the same chances of eight prophecies coming true in the life of one person. And not only did eight come true, 70 came true in the life of one person. You want to carry that out a little bit further? Go out to 35 prophecies. The chances of 35 prophecies coming true in one life is 10 to the 157th power. Does God have the power to do what it is that he says he's going to do? Yes. But what does it require? It requires faith. Mary, when she looks at all that God has in store for her, God invited her to join him in what he was doing. But the assignment that he had for her was God-sized. The last thing is faith when it conflicts with my plans. Mary had, had her life planned for her, didn't she? Did God turn her world upside down? You ever had that happen to you? You're, you're, you're walking along in your life, you're fat, dumb, and happy, and everything's going good in your life, and all of a sudden God steps in and, and something happens? Does God have that right to step into our lives and to turn it upside down? Mary's life was, was going fine. But there are times we need to have faith when it conflicts with, with my plans. And when God reveals his plans for us, it will always require a crisis of belief. When you know that it is God that is speaking to you, the next thing you do determines what it is that you believe about God. Did Mary know that God was speaking to her? You're not too sure. Did Mary know that God had spoken to her? Yeah. You know, there's a difference between Zechariah, he said, how's this going to be? And what does the angel Gabriel say? Whoa, I stand in the presence of Almighty God, and you dare to doubt what it is that I'm going to say? Well, for the next nine months, you're not going to be able to speak. And then he turns around, and Mary seems to ask the same question. How's this going to be? And she doesn't get struck dumb. The basis of her question is what? How's this going to be? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. How is this going to be? And rather than being, rather than being struck dumb, he begins to tell her how this is going to be. God's going to do this. And when you know what it is that God has said, the next thing you do determines what it is you believe about God. Did God speak to me? And if he did, then what am I going to do with it? You say, well, okay, but God doesn't send an angel to talk to me. Does God speak to us? All the time. Where does God speak to us? In his word. Okay, as your pastor, um, there are times I take the gloves off and just go a little bit uh, deeper with us here. Can we, AIC, can we honestly be hearing from God if we're not spending time with him in his word? As your pastor, I, I cry out to you. 
God has something in store for this church. God has something in store for you. And we will not know what that is unless we are spending time in God's Word. And when God speaks to us, maybe as you're reading along in God's Word, He says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful for building the other person up according to their needs. And you read that and God arrests your heart because you think, oh, I, the way I've been talking, the things that I've been saying, they're not honoring to God. When God speaks to your heart, what are you going to do with that? And going back and, and dealing with that, maybe you would need to go back and say to somebody, I am sorry for the things that I said to you. Maybe it's going back with some people that you said something that you shouldn't have said and saying, I, I ask you to forgive me. I spoke way too much and I spoke in a way that was condescending or in a way that was hurtful towards another brother or sister in the Lord. That's just one example. But as you read God's word, before you read, say, God, I am opening up your holy scriptures. Speak in such a way, Lord, that I hear what it is that you're saying. And then, God, give me the courage to follow up. See, when Mary hears what it is that God has for her, you notice what she didn't say? She didn't say, I, I'm too young. I'm just a, I'm just a girl from, my, I mean, Nazareth was a, a backwater, dusty town that we hardly even know today. Scholars are, are questioning. They know that it's there, but they don't quite know where it was. I mean, it was, it was a town. It was just a small little town. And who was Mary? Mary was a lady who had given her heart to the Lord. Mary was somebody who loved God's word. It shows up in her prayer later on. But you know what it also shows up? It shows up in the life of her son, Jesus Christ. Because the both of them, both Joseph and Mary, will be shown for who they are. Where does it show up in the life of Christ? When Jesus is tempted in the desert, he goes back each time. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Where does that come from? It comes out of the book of Deuteronomy. Every time. Where would he have learned that? He would have learned that at the hands of his father and at the hands of his mother. Parents, what does that say to us about the importance of getting God's word, of you, of you? It's not the church's responsibility to raise your kids. It's your responsibility. One to which we as parents will be held accountable before God. It's our, our responsibility to teach our children, to teach them the love of God's word. Because when Mary hears what it is that God has said, it was a crisis of belief for her. Why? Um, this wasn't a very small, or this wasn't a very big town. Put yourself in Mary's shoes, ladies. Can you imagine the tongues and how they would have wagged? Do you understand that idiom? How, how people would have talked? You, you can hide a pregnancy for a while, but you know as well as I do that the older women watch the younger women. If they see you're a little green around the gills or a little nauseous, they begin to wonder, what's going on with her? And like I say, you can only hide the pregnancy for so long. What would that have meant for Mary? What would it have meant for Mary's father? Mary's father was responsible, 
when that betrothal ceremony happens, Mary's father is responsible to Joseph and to Joseph's family to present to Joseph on the night when he returned to take her as his bride. He is responsible to provide for Joseph a virgin wife. What would that mean for, for Mary's father? What is it going to mean to her family? We live in an oriental culture here. When you do something, it doesn't just affect you. It affects all of the family, doesn't it? And Mary thought about all of the ramifications of what it would mean for her to follow Christ. And when you know what it is that God is saying to you, it will always require a crisis of belief. And what does Mary say? Oh, let it be unto me as you have said. I am your servant. I think of all of the words that I hear in the Christmas story, in the Christmas account, that one to me sticks out over and over and over again. Let it be unto me as you've said, I am your servant. You know what's so cruel? In Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, here's where I'm going to geek you out here for a second. The whole of the book of Luke, Luke is a, is, a, is, is a Gentile. And the whole of the book of Luke, except for the first two chapters, is written in a style of Greek that conforms to what Luke would have known. The first two chapters of Luke have an Aramaic, have a more Jewish flavor to it than all of the rest of the book of Luke. What does that tell me? Where does Luke, the doctor, who goes about to look very carefully, what does that tell me about where does Luke get his information for these first two chapters? i got a hunch he get that from Mary herself. As she recounts this story, as now she's an older lady, did God have something in mind for her? Think of it. Can you imagine this young girl holding the Savior in her arms? Can you imagine what that must have been like? To look into this little one, to be able to kiss this little one on the cheek, and to know this is the Messiah. But as the old man Simeon would say, and a sword will pierce your heart too. She would also know good times with Jesus. She would also know difficult times with Jesus. And when we choose to follow what it is that God is calling us to do, there will be those good days. And there will be those difficult days. But you go back to the fact, I know that I know that I know that I'm in the middle of what it is that God has called me to. You're going to need that. Because there are going to be those days when you're going to think, did I hear right from God or didn't I? You know, and I don't know where God has you right now. I don't know what it is that he has you in the midst of. But I do know this. I do know that God is speaking. Jesus said in his word, my father, John chapter 5 verse 19, he said, my father is always at his work, even to this day. God is at work in your lives. Every single one of our lives, he is at work in your lives. And he is inviting you to join him in what it is that he's already doing. What would that be? I hope that your antenna go up this week. If you're at the university, if you're at your job, you're on Central, wherever you might be, I hope your antenna go up so that when you hear somebody talk about them, that's not the only time that you have to share Christ with them. But that's like God opening the door and saying, here's where I'm at work. Join me. 
Join me in what it is that I am already doing. And when you hear from God, the next thing you do determines what it is you believe about God. Did God speak to me? Does God want to use me? He wants to use every single one of us in this room. And do we give God the right to interrupt our lives? Do we give God the right to interrupt our plans? And not just our plans, but the plans of our children as well. Parents, there are some of your children here that God has called to the mission field. Parents, there are some of your children here that God has called into ministry. Will you allow God to do with your children what he wants them to do? And when you know what it is that God is saying, will it require a crisis of belief? It will. It will. To follow God and to join him in what he's doing requires faith. Mary's gift to God? You notice the people who come around Jesus? Many of them are always asking for something. Mary's one of the few who doesn't. She gives. And I think about the gifts. This is Christmas. And okay, I'm coming from a, from a very Western culture. But in a Western culture, this is the season of giving gifts. For you, maybe it's Chinese New Year. But in the Western mindset, Christmas is the time of giving gifts. And I think, what do we give back to God? When was the last time you just gave rather than asking? And I think this gift of faith is one that we can give. It's one that God calls us to give. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, for how it is you speak in our lives. Lord, for some of us, today was a wake-up call. Because somebody came to us this week and they asked us to pray for them. Or somebody came and they asked questions about the Bible or they asked questions about you and, and there were others talking in the room and, and we didn't realize that God, that was you opening the door for us to join you in what you're already doing. God, would you help us You've put people in our lives, people who are walking through things in their lives that God only you could take care of. And sometimes, God, we look and we say, can anything good come out of that life? And yet, God, you take ordinary people just like us and you put your spirit in us and then you turn the world upside down. And God, what you're looking for are servants who are willing, like Mary, that when we hear, God, what it is that you're asking of us, that we do it. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for a deep love and hunger for your word. I pray that over this, your people here. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for hearts that are willing to say, God, let it be unto me as you've said. I'm your servant. And I pray that, God, you will give us ears to hear when it is that you speak and courage to follow in what it is that you have for us. Would you join me in praying as our Lord has called us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.